The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 99 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in California, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, before we start, let me be the first to wish you a happy Father's Day, or I guess probably the last to wish you a happy Father's Day, because it was Sunday. I hope you had a good good weekend. But the bigger story is, what, what are we going to do for our big 100th episode? You know, fans have been writing in, sending tributes and putting together clip reels, like, how did this get made? Are we going to play those all, or, you know, or are we just going to shelve them and play oh, we've, them quietly in our room? We've probably got, like, 110 episodes, because when we were going twice a week, I don't know that I was logging them as a specific episode. I think I was then, but we've done some, like, special edition emergency stuff. We definitely have done more than 100 episodes. Well, calling it 100 will be a special occasion. And 99 is going to be good, too, because we're digging back into basketball mostly, right? I mean, we're going to continue our breakdown of these playoff teams if the playoffs comes back. And I I guess it will. Yeah, I I don't know. What are the odds? Like 60%? I don't know. It seems like the NBA has doubled down on it. I saw Woj tweeted that uh, Kyrie and co. had more backing behind their movement than was originally thought and and originally kind of was given credence to by the media. So... That's kind of interesting. We've heard some players step out and say that, like, you know, maybe they're going to play, maybe they're not. Lou Williams being the most recent guy who said he was 50-50, he's going to play. That actually matters a good bit. He's the first guy, I think, other than, like, we've heard other good players say it, but he's the first guy on a title contender that we've heard say, other than Dwight Howard, right? And Dwight Howard probably doesn't make a ton of difference to the Lakers. But if Lou Williams yeah. doesn't play, like that's a big deal. That's a big the, deal. That's because I I would think that the guys who wouldn't play would be like you said, like Davis Bertans, who's going to be a free agent, and his team has no chance anyway. So why play? That makes a lot. And he's had injury history. I would presume the guys who are in title contention, like Lou Williams, and you know certainly the Lakers guy, like LeBron, seems passionate about playing. Um, I mean the two. But say say you're even a playoff team. Say you're Brooklyn. Say you're Orlando. Like you still probably have no chance of winning. So I understand the motivation to kind of fold it in there. Well, the two biggest names behind the movement right now are Chris Paul, who is head of the Players Association, who has kind of spearheaded this whole Orlando plan. So he's all in on it. And then LeBron is the other one. And I mentioned this before, Patrick Beverly tweeted it. And I believe it as well. Like, I don't want to say that like LeBron's such a kingmaker, but like if, he wants to play Zan. Like I just have a very hard time seeing that we won't be watching basketball on July thirty yeah, first. I'm having a hard time justifying why you would not play. You're getting paid millions at this point. I think the league's going to be as safe as possible. There are plenty of other people going back to work right now. Yeah, um, Florida is. Their Florida's cases, not great, but the, Florida's always in trouble. Right, their cases are rising. I think the last number I saw, I saw like they're close to 100,000 cases, which is, a, you know, it's a big number, but also like their death rate is down. The number of people like getting coronavirus, like that age uh, average is going down too, which is good because we're seeing younger people get it and not get as affected by it. 
But in Disney World, with the rules in place, I, I just think the bigger problem is like what happens when the media gets wind of somebody getting coronavirus, which is going to happen. One hundred going to happen, and there's going to be a natural um, tying these two like calamities with a bow, and it's starting to happen a little bit in the sense that coronavirus is out there. There's the Black Lives Matter is out there, focused mostly on the police right now. The health disparity, healthcare disparity, is a big deal as well, and. That's reflected in the numbers, you know, African-Americans are getting COVID more often more than we yeah. by people. And so maybe that's an argument to not do it is the idea that um, they need to highlight that problem. You know, that difference is probably in a way, I think the education disparity, I think healthcare disparity um, are at least as fundamental as the police department disparity, you know, like the yeah. law and order disparity. Definitely. But let's assume that we're going to see some hoops and we'll continue with our thing. So last week we said we we're going to do six, five, four in the West. We actually have to do seven, six, five, four Dallas yeah. is in that mix. And I, I forgot that when we did the kind of like the eight seeds, because the seven seed in the West was so far ahead of the eighth, like we didn't talk about them. So Dallas is currently in seventh Houston's in sixth. Uh, I believe Oklahoma, Oklahoma city, city is in yeah. fifth and Utah is in fourth. They are all separated by, I believe about two and a half games, right? Dallas is 11. Yeah, in terms of the win total, it's only one, but Dallas right. has like three or four more losses. But yeah, really the top losses. three could really shift. Correct. And though, does it matter? Because you don't have home court anyway. Yeah, it's tough to think. We'll start with Dallas, I think, right? They're in seventh and they do seem more likely to finish in seventh because everybody's playing eight games and Dallas is three behind the sixth spot in the loss column. So which seems crazy, right? Like Dallas should have to play less games because now we're going to have an uneven number of games, right? Yeah, it's going to be weird. I, we never really talked about that. And I, because everybody hasn't played the same amount of games, like it should be more fair for Dallas to just play five games, right? Like that should be what they have to do, but you can't really line that up. So that's, that's goofy. We haven't talked about that, but all right. So Dallas, ironically, they have played as well as any of the, uh, these teams. Like they, you know, their simple rating system has them, I think the fifth best in the league. They have the number one, offensive rating in the league they obviously have Luka Doncic who is you know I would assume going to finish first team all NBA as a 20 year old we have seen he's been in the news a little bit recently because his trainer said he wasn't in game shape and then people went nuts about how like Lucas should be taking this more seriously and then they clarified which I've said before if you're not playing full court 100% basketball every day it's going to be very hard to be in game shape so even if he is a bad body all-star I'm not super worried about him being in game shape. My question to you, Zan, this is a good team. They've, they've played a tough schedule. They've played very well this year. Can they beat the Clippers? Can they beat one of, you know, I don't think Denver will overtake the Clippers, but if the Clippers are the two seed, can Dallas beat them? Cause I think that's the most likely seven, two matchup. Yeah. I, I would not rule it out. I think, you know, you mentioned they have the number one offense. I think somebody said they had the number one offense, like of all time. Just because, like, you know, the the league's more efficient now. Um, and it's amazing to think, like, I'm always torn on this, like, because Doncic got hurt and they continue to have a great offense. Like, is he underrated or overrated? I have no idea. Because you look at him and you're like, look, one hand, he's leading this team to the number one offense. He's scores inside ridiculously well. He's a good passer. You know, he's a like, gifted player. Then he hasn't like, he's never really shot well. He shoots nine threes a game at 32%. 
And so in my head, I'm like, does that make him underrated? Because if he it gets if that bounces back to league average, suddenly he's you know maybe the best player in the NBA. That's a very fair comment. Like if he shoots 37 percent from three, yeah, and you think it would happen? It's he does his like shot looks like it should be pretty good, right? Or at least average. He takes so many tough shots though. Like he's That's James true. Harden in that regard, where like they just take so many tough shots and like. They're so tired because you use so many possessions, so their shooting is very is much streakier than it probably would be. This team's good, man. Like they're a good team. Willie Cauley Stein replacing Dwight Powell, not a perfect fit, but uh, he was quite good in thirteen games for them, uh, on a, like a net rating of like plus thirty three. I think the issue for Dallas, and again, like this is kind of moving forward too, was they didn't really have a great way to play Porzingis and Luca together. Like, cause when Porzingis was playing without Luca, he was really good. And when he was playing with Luca, he was just kind of average and they didn't really stagger him. Great. So what if we've, what if they've had all this time in the lab in the last three months and they come out with like a better rotation for their team, does that automatically elevate, elevate them to a title contender? Because they do have two guys who are like ridiculously good players who should be able to play together. And then they have this, pretty good collection of like roster depth behind them. Yeah, for sure. And I want to ask you this about Dallas. I thought it was interesting because you've, you've been a long time proponent of centers are devalued. Now you can find somebody to fill the role of like a traditional center, not Porzingis, you know, um, like a Boban, like you could find like Boban, you know, not his size, but somebody who could do something like that. Um, and so you would spend less money on that position, right? Has point guard, quietly become the same the traditional point guard and are smart teams like dallas being like look we can find a jalen brunson we could find a seth curry or dylan wright to kind of you know for eight million a year and, and like soak up those minutes knowing that luka Doncic is really our point guard anyway and we want to play through a big wing like that i mean i think that's been the case for a long time i just think we ended up having better point guards over the last couple of years but if you look at you know, all of like the 2000s and the 90s, like, yeah, you had like Stockton Malone, but like the Bulls played Ron Harper for their, you know, and BJ Armstrong right. for their that's titles. True. The Lakers had. Well, Derek I'll tell you Fisher. what, I thought of it because, you know, Mike Schmitz, who's really good on ESPN, like the draft guru, he did a tweet that he was like, there's this European guy coming into the league, maybe Faku Gampaza or something. Yeah. And he and he's you know he's raving about him. He goes, 29 year old is an absolute wizard with the ball." Kind of the same thing we used to hear about Milos Teodosic, right? Like he was a wizard a, with the ball. But the they're both great passers. Is passing from a point guard sort of becoming like rebounding from a big man? Like it's kind of overrated because look, if Faku Kambaza, he's five eleven, comes over. To the NBA, no one's really going to rely on him to to run an offense. Really. It's tough, right? Because like Ricky Rubio, amazing passer, right? Like John Wall, amazing passer. John Morant, amazing passer. Like those guys are able to impact the game as passers, but they're also you know Rubio's a taller guy, and then Wall Morant, Morant obviously ridiculously athletic. Chris Paul, one of the best I've ever seen at controlling the pace of the game. So I think you you know the, the package of the point guard matters. Like Milos Teodosic is a great European player when he came over was a little bit older it was hard for him to kind of like carve out a role with the Clippers but like I I would say make no mistake about it Sam like people were excited front office members were excited to see Tia Dosich in the NBA and I think it just it didn't work same with like 
Sergio Rodriguez a couple of years ago. I mean, not more than a couple of years ago now, but yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, certainly passing matters, and ball if you have, matters. but Luca, like, you want you want everyone to be able to pass. You want to have Luka Al Horford. Is, you want to have LeBron James, but right? But like, Luca doesn't necessarily need passer. your point guard to be the one to do it. No, you don't. And I think it's like roster construction, right? Like, you know, Luca's like an amazing passer. My thing with Luca, and we should talk about some other guys on the team because, like, Dorian Finney-Smith, like sneaky All NBA defensive guy, he's been awesome for them. Jalen Brunson's not going to play, by the way. He's not going to be ready to go. And I don't know that he's going to be ready, even if they advance deep into this thing. Uh, but I think the issue is going to be, like, with with Dallas, they just need to figure out, like, Luca, your roster construction is really good. And in theory, right, Porzingis should be able to play with him. But if Luca is going to take so many shots and it's going to keep a guy like Porzingis from getting into a rhythm, then maybe you do need more of a pass-first guy to play more with Porzingis, if that makes sense, right? Because you can play Luca 33 minutes a game, and then you can find those other 15 minutes for Porzingis without Luca, and then you close the game with them. But like, yeah. But to your to your main question that you started with, can this team win a series? I think in this environment they can. I think they're dangerous too. Yeah, it's like they can just sneak up on somebody. You know, they're really well coached. They they probably you know they have a good offensive system, and look like. They won. They're forty and twenty-seven, so they're as close to the two seed as basically the Clippers are to the Lakers. I mean, like, there's really not a huge gap here in terms of record. Um, and you know, Doncic's missed time too. So, like, I think this team is more real than not. I mean, I wouldn't pick them to win or even win more than a game or two. But if people don't have their, like their sea legs. And then this Dallas team starts hitting a lot of threes and, you know, Seth Curry hits five of six one game and they win. It would not shock me at all. It's it's amazing that their offense is as good as it is when they're bottom half of the league in pace, to be totally honest, which means that they consistently get good shots in the half court, which in this case, when guys are going to be tired, I think, I I think everybody's going to be out of shape. And I think guys are, offenses are going to be down a little bit. Like, like I said, I've said this before, like we should bet a ton of unders when this starts on Bovada, because I just think like guys are going to, be really tired and I think it's going to be harder for guys to get easy buckets a team like Dallas makes me feel like with a guy like Luca who can get tons of shots for himself and others like this team could be a lot better and and like I said it's interesting because you know they have guys like DeLon Wright really good defender right Maxi Cleaver very good defender Dorian Finney-Smith like very good wing defender like Luca obviously not very good but is so good on offense it doesn't really matter you know, Seth Curry, not very good, but in his role, he's been so good on offense. Like you have to guard him. Justin Jackson coming on a little bit playing, you know, a a decent role for them and might get more minutes because of no Jalen Brunson, Willie Cauley Stein and Porzingis, both good rim protectors. Like this is a team that can match up with as probably as well with the Clippers as anybody. Right. And, And as well with like Denver as anybody, because you do have guys that can guard high usage, like, guards and high usage wings i think yeah i and i think the clippers wouldn't be scared to be honest because they think you have luca we have two guys who can guard him um if need be and so but you never know i i think i think this is really more of a toss-up than we'd ever seen i i would have guessed in like a normal playoff circumstance with home court advantage and with everyone in game shape the let's say it's clippers dallas i would have said clippers have an over a 90 percent chance of winning i think that's down to like 70 or 80 75 70 yeah. yeah 70 or 80 maybe even less like if you if you could get dallas at like it just sucks they have to play the clippers but if what we've heard about the clippers is that there is some unrest and like maybe lou williams isn't going to play and maybe we hear something else i don't know like if we hear that and maybe you can get dallas at like 
35 to one to win this thing, like to win the title. So do you think I could, I would say like best case scenario, they upset a team and then lose. Can they, can they win another round? Could they go all the way? I mean, is it possible that Luca gets hot and is the best player in this tournament? It's, you know, the tough part about it. And again, no home court advantage is a big deal, but the tough part about the West is like, okay, you beat the Clippers. Great. Then you get to probably play Denver in the next round. Not to say that like, Utah is not going to get the three seed. I'm, I'm pretty sure Utah is going to be the worst of the four teams we talk about today, but maybe not. But any of these teams could end up with the three seed, right? It could happen. Dallas, the least likely of the of the four we talk about today. But you get to play like Denver, right? And Denver, we think is good, but Denver is certainly more vulnerable than the Lakers. But then you have to probably play the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals, and then you have to play. Yeah, I think this is a, the Lakers would be a tough matchup for them. And it's, and it's hard, too, because, like – they don't play super fast and they are pretty deep, but you, like Luca has to do so much. And we just don't have a ton of a track record of 20 year olds doing that. So like maybe in two years, he's ready to do it. I, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's great value to bet on them, but like, I think this team is pretty good for this setting. I, I think they're really good on offense. I think they're going to need to have to score. I think that's going to be a big deal. I think they have, this year, I think they have one of the best five players in the NBA, Zan. So, like, yeah, and shout out to you because I, I think I was, you were bullish on them all year. I think you took them the over. They're one of your picks in the wins draft. They almost hit their over under already. Their over under on the year was forty and a half, and they're at forty wins, um, and only sixty seven games. So, I mean, it all worked. I mean, Dallas took some risks last few years and it's really paid off. I don't want to say that I knew that Luca would make this type of jump, but I did think he was very good. They just, you know, the DeLon Wright, the Seth Curry signings, trading for Porzingis, they got really lucky with Tim Hardaway being a a really good player. And then they've developed guys well, like Maxi Kleber, Dorian Finney-Smith, like Dwight Powell, like those were picks at the time where people were like, oh, what are they doing? You know, And, and those guys have turned into rotation players for them. So they deserve a lot of credit. I thought Rick Carlisle kind of got some unnecessary heat at the start of the year for maybe not being as good as people think he is and, and kind of living off a 2011 title. But guy, guy can coach, man. Like, he's he's good. So um, Next team, in the, currently in the sixth spot, technically tied record-wise with Oklahoma City for five. Your beloved Houston Rockets. Did you pick them to win the title early at the beginning of the year? I can't remember. You usually I think I said they were, I think I said they were going to win the title. I, I think yeah. I mean, it's become a thing now where I just want them to win a title because, like I said, I'm I'm battling every internet warrior. Everyone else is talking about coronavirus or like Black Lives Matter or like police brutality, and I'm out here arguing that James Harden is in the like top fifteen of players of all time. Like that's what that's me right now. That's where I want to be. Um, and so talk about a team took a risk. So you trade Chris Paul for this massive. Russell Westbrook contract and then you go full you know it's like um Tropic Thunder they went full uh I can't even say the word you can't, now say, it. You can't <laughs> say it yeah. they went full small ball let's say because then there you, you know go. they got rid of Capella and then you're literally playing PJ Tucker at center and th- that's going to be their lineup and it's working more or less right in the second half of the year I think this team looks more dangerous than they did at the start of the year to me the first few months yeah, I agree. They've leaned into like Russell Westbrook kind of looks on paper. His numbers look very strong on a counting stat basis. And then his advanced numbers don't look as good, but really the, you know, after the first month and a half of the season, probably the first six weeks, like he's been the same guy that we remember just terrorizing dudes alongside Kevin Durant. And they had struggled. If you'll recall, like they won six in a row kind of right when they went into small balls. Do you remember Zan? And then yes. they had, then they had lost, like they lost to the Knicks it seemed like Harden was getting tired or something. Right. 
this is the team to me where like the rest matters the most because we've talked about Harden getting worn down in the playoffs. We've talked about his shot selection. Now he gets three months off. Like he doesn't play a style where like he need, you know, this dude, like he just plays minutes upon minutes upon minutes. Right. But at the same time, he doesn't play super fast. He doesn't play like, I mean, it's different. He plays quick. He plays like with a lot of guile, if you will. I think this team is going to benefit from the layoff. D'Antoni runs his dudes into the ground in the regular season. It, it doesn't really get talked about as much as it probably should, that he never pulls guys. And all of a sudden they get a three month rest to play a style that nobody's really ready for. To me, yeah, they're the it, most dangerous team. It, and I think it would be a fitting and it reminds me a lot, you know, they call it Mori ball, kind of like money ball, but it's very similar. Like if you watch Moneyball, the movie, or you read the book, it's like, there's a moment where they're kind of hedging. They're like, this trend makes sense. And then at a certain point, they're like, let's go all, all in. in. Yeah, and they, they did it. And The big thing was like they traded Carlos Pena, right? Because Art Howe wouldn't play Scott Hatterberg at first base. So they trade Carlos Pena, who's like an uber prospect, who ends up being better than Scott Hatterberg, by the way. Like, Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not all of Moneyball. I mean, they kind of over-glamorize it. But, um, but look. They're, they set the curve and they're still ahead of the curve. Like if you look at the pay, you know, the numbers we cited last time on Indiana has like the wrong type of shots, Houston, number one in threes, number two in free throw attempts. They're dead last in two point attempts. Like they're still playing smarter than everybody else in the league. And that gives them like a little bit of an edge. Here's the issue, right? So one, there's always that thought process. We talked about this last week with Andre Iguodala, where you were like, oh man, they're going to play Iguodala too much down the stretch. This is a team that's going to play Jeff Green at some small ball five, which I think is less dangerous than playing Jeff Green as your three man or your four man. But I, I still, Jeff Green playing any minutes makes me yeah, very nervous. They're dangerously thin, right? Yeah. Like you, Eric, their Eric starting Gordon, lineup's good. Eric Gordon's been terrible though, which is a big problem. Like he has to make shots for them to be successful. It just has to happen. So... And, and your buddy Harden needs to get 10 free throws a game, which he can do. But if it's not happening, then then suddenly they look mortal, I think. Yeah, and I think like that's that's to me, you know, they do get Cephalosha uh, is a guy that I think can play some more minutes that we don't didn't realize has been playing as much as he has for them. Ben McLemore has been very good. Austin Rivers has been okay. Tyson Chandler, they signed late and he had played, I think he played in about 26 games for them and, and he's been good. So like, but they still have, you know, they have this whole Damari Carroll, like Jeff Green kind of group of guys where they just haven't played a ton of minutes for them. And we need to kind of see where they fit into the mix because really like, it seems like they're only about seven deep, right? Like, right. And it's Rivers, Eric Gordon, it's Rivers, Eric Gordon and Daniel House. So there are other wings. Yeah. And, and it sucks to be a hardened defender, but I have to be in this case, like if they lose, he'll get blamed. When in fact, as you mentioned, the supporting cast is just not that good. It's not that deep. No, They're not it, reliable. And part of that's their own fault because when you're paying Harden and Russell Westbrook eighty million dollars, like it's possible the entire salary cap next year could be less than their two contracts. It's possible. But they're certainly a dangerous team. I would rank them. I think best case scenario. I think I don't know about win the title because fourth is to, probably the most realistic ranking, right? Like. Yeah, like because I mean, like I still think Lakers, Clippers, Milwaukee are, are clearly better all around. Houston can get hot. The depth does scare me. I think they can make the finals. I really do. Um, 
what do you think? Do you think they can actually win? Like realistic? I do think, scenario? I do think they definitely can win. I definitely, yeah. I like 100% think the rest is a huge deal for a team like them because I think their ability to play super fast is what is super fast and super switchy and super small is what makes them so dangerous. And if Harden and Westbrook and PJ Tucker are worn down, like how are you supposed to play to the best of your ability? So like to yeah. me, they're the and type it, of team and, and no home court advantage. Like we've, we've, we've talked about this before, right? Like I don't want to rehash the 2018, 2018, what second round or whatever, but like the Rockets have gotten a tough whistle at certain points, particularly well, think, in golden state. So maybe in a situation where it's a neutral site and Harden is not necessarily reft, you know, poorly, I don't know. I won't say poorly, but like if Harden gets calls, to the level that he gets them in the regular season. And we don't know that he will or won't. It just makes them so much more dangerous. And it's stupid to say that because that's yeah. not all his game is predicated on. But like you said, but, 12, 15 free throws a game from him, they become really hard to beat by anybody. But you know what I think scares me from their perspective is they have an edge based on, you know, James Harden, obviously, and based on the playing style. And if a team is smart enough to adjust, I think that goes away. And so if the Lakers play, you know, Anthony Davis at the five, LeBron at the four, I think Houston's in trouble. Like, I, I just don't see them being able to, like, they're, they're a below average rebounding team as is. And if you match their speed with just better athletes, at, at, you know, and some legitimate big guys, like, they could really bully this team, I think. Yeah, but nobody wins games by bullying, really. No, but I'm like, saying, like, LeBron could get... 14 rebounds a game and Anthony Davis can get 15 rebounds a game. And, and it, as long as the Lakers played the right lineup around them, I think Houston has trouble. Right. And so here's what D'Antoni said, by the way, they want to play faster in Houston, which may, or faster in Orlando, which makes total sense. And though they're planning to start Harden, Westbrook, PJ Tucker, Covington, Eric Gordon, and then their three bench wings, which would be house Austin rivers and Mecklemore. And then I think it would be, you know, your Tyson Chandler, Jeff green, depending on what your, given matchup is, I guess. Cause like, if you do play the Lakers, like it makes some sense to play Tyson Chandler in certain spots to protect the rim a little bit. Right. And well, I don't know. I, I just think if I'm the Rockets, I would go small and just kind of dare the LA teams to be slow to adjust, you know, yeah, and, and yeah. they're still playing Dwight Howard and they're still playing Zubak. And then like, you could take advantage of that. He's and pretty jump good. Out to a lead. He's pretty good. Zubach. He's, he's okay. He's but player. I wouldn't want him guarding James Harden. All right, let's uh, – but Houston, I think we both agree. Like, this is why the West is going to be – But what's the worst case? Because that's the other job. I mean, they, they could lose in the lose. first round, yeah. Right, like, and they, so what's the ramifications of that? Mike D'Antoni and Daryl Morey are out of a job. They might be out of jobs anyway. Like, Daryl Morey might get fired even if – like, they win the title, Daryl Morey might get fired. Tomer Furtado is like the last job, dance dude. scenario? Yeah, like, he's nuts. I think – the problem is you can't really – Is this the up. last flop for Houston? Might be the last flop for Daryl Morey. I don't. I, I don't think it is for Westbrook and Harden though. Like they're Westbrook still is unmovable at this point. And Harden they're, they're is, matching salaries almost forty one next year, forty four next year, the year after that, forty seven million in three years. That's going to be tough to swallow. I would. I would be able to swallow. I, and Westbrook has been really, really good, good this year. Yeah, he's like, been he good really has. Role. Yeah, but I, I also think too, like the, the Westbrook and Harden are so close, like. I don't know what's going to happen, man. It's they're a really interesting team to watch moving forward. Oklahoma well, City. What wait, can I say? One thing: you're in three years. Athletic specimen Russell Westbrook will be 34 years old, 
making $47 million a year. Yeah, he could still be. And I mean, you never know. He could still be the same dude. Like, Maybe. and we don't even know, like, I mean, he's certainly not the best player right now, but like, it's really good. You know, you pay for the front years of the deal, right? Like that just kind of is what it is. Yeah, well, it's true. I mean, like you do think of like Iverson and Marbury. They do get better around age 35, right? That tends to be their peak, 36. Well, those guys are totally different though because they're also much shorter and like Iverson is five inches shorter than Russell Westbrook. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I mean, Westbrook theoretically, if he if he like learns to I, shoot better and he's become I, slows down, he, he could be okay. But don't assume, 47 million. I don't assume that he would get better. Obviously, he's certainly going to decline. But one of the things I do think with Westbrook is it'll be quite interesting to see, like, he just impacts the game so differently than, like, anybody in the NBA right now. I wonder if, like, they'll start to, like, post him up and stuff. Like, a better team or a different yeah. team will well, start yeah, to I use him a lot, like, Garrett Payton. You, you were right, again, because the things he brings to the table is he can play fast and he can play bigger than in size with his rebounding and athleticism. And that's things that Chris Paul couldn't do, really. You know, it's funny. There are certain times you watch Russell Westbrook and there are certainly times when you watch him and he just blows the game for him, right? Like that's happened his whole career. But when he totally overwhelms a team athletically, Zan, like there are not many more fun things to watch than when he's just unguardable. Because there are times, you know, it happens like, and it's yeah. so different than. And I, and I love watching usually players with that kind of effort. Right. And energy. He just plays so hard and like he gets like bang, like tip dunk. Then like he gets a rebound, hits a pull up jump shot. He's screaming. Then he gets to the rim and like lays it in and it happens so quick. And all of a sudden teams like look up and they just got hit in the face and they're down 12 because they couldn't stop Westbrook. And it's like, that's what I think the Rockets really wanted. Somebody who could allow them to play differently. And also like Westbrook for, to his credit too, he just does whatever they ask, right? Like Harden is the guy, like he has the ball all the time. Like he takes a ton of shots and Westbrook's like, all right, play me as a nominal four. Like I'll guard LeBron for a little while. Like I'll go get rebounds. I'll try to protect the rim. Like I, you know, it's crazy. He gets as much crap as he does. Cause like, really he's a good teammate, man. Like he's just not a great player for the, this type of NBA, I guess. So it's going to be interesting because yeah. he's perfect for this team. Like this is, this is the role he has to be in, which is amazing because he's the one guy on the team that's like a really bad shooter, you know? <laughs> well, it makes you think like in his prime, if he played for like a small ball team, because Oklahoma City was like famously like very big and they would fall down into a half court offense quite often. Well, that, you know, that's funny. Like everyone always said, like they had so much spacing and it was basically like, oh, they had spacing. They played, he played with Kevin Durant. Like that's not, that doesn't, first of all, it's not right. Second of all, Durant wants to play inside the three-point line probably more than he should like those teams were bad fits for Westbrook I think we're starting to see yeah especially that following year I think they had one of the worst space like shooting teams of all time like it was like Roberson and like Terrence Ferguson was like a rookie and he couldn't really couldn't make a shot yeah all right speaking of the Oklahoma City Thunder they are what a half game up on the Rockets is that right yeah okay uh, the big news on them, Andre Roberson is supposedly going to be ready to play. Not sure if that makes them better or worse. What What do you think? You know, I wrote about, you've mentioned him as a, you know, going to be a free agent. What's he going to happen with him? He hasn't played in like a year and a half. I don't think he's going to play a lot. I think it's just hard to throw a guy out there. And the Oklahoma is, you know, obviously one of the overachievers so far this season. They've had a lot of success with their guards playing together. Um, Paul Schroeder and Shea Gildas Alexander. I don't think they're going to need Roberson as much, especially because Gildas Alexander can play like bigger than his size too, or he's really good in his position. He's really good. Yeah, he's. They're, they're I, good. I think they're going to go with those three guards a lot, and then Gallinari and Stephen Adams, and 
that makes sense as a four and five for sure. So here, here's my question. I kind of want to look Utah into this discussion as well. They're the team that's, they, they have the same record or they're a half game behind Utah? Utah is one game up. Okay. So Utah is probably the team that I think I would most want to play, right? Because they lose Bojan Bogdanovic. We don't know. Den- he's Donovan out for the season. Yeah, He's out for the season. Donovan Mitchell like doesn't really seem like he wants to play. I wonder if like the prize of this is like that four or five matchup. Like, yes, you have to play the Lakers in the second round, but like Utah seems like they might be the weakest of the eight teams that'll get in the playoffs. Cause Oklahoma city has been the worst of the four teams we're discussing yeah. today. They've, they've definitely been worse than Dallas. They've been worse than Houston and they've been a little bit worse than, you know, Utah. I think they've and when you say like, that, you mean like advanced stats and point differentials. Correct. And, and just in terms of what their record actually should be, they've played well together and Billy Donovan's done a really good job, but they've played a little bit above their head from what we, what their expectations should be. However, like I said, if you get Utah and Bogdanovich is not playing and then Donovan Mitchell decides that he doesn't want to play because we don't know, like now all of a sudden you get a team in the West that's just not that good. And you t- and, and uh, Ethan Strauss pointed out on The Athletic that like Oklahoma City should be locked into this, right? Because Chris Paul is the guy that's like, we want to do this. This is our baby. Like he's not going to allow guys to kind of relax at all. They had kind of figured out a good situation. They, they were starting Lugansk Dort at the end of the year, which was really good for them defensively. They bring back Roberson, another really good defender and he gets to play some minutes per game. Like, I don't, I agree with you. He's not playing 30 a game, but like, and all of a sudden, like this team has the horses to kind of stop more wings and you've got this three headed monster at guard. They're an interesting team. I don't think they can win the title. I doubt they'd get out of the second round if they win in the first round, but they're a team that's going to, they're going to cause some problems for people. And again, You're this is Oklahoma weird, city. Yeah. This is a weird team too. Cause like, Nerlens Noel, free agent, like Steven Adams, free agency coming up. And I believe Billy Donovan's a free agent, isn't he? He hasn't signed an extension. No, yeah, he's a free agent. So this is kind of like we were talking about like the last dance, making that joke about Houston. But like for Oklahoma City, this team could look different. Like Chris Paul's going to be there. But like even Dennis Schroeder, who's had a career year, what does he look like next year for them? You know? And Yeah, I could see them getting hot. I think, like you said, they're, they've been overachievers. I, I don't think they scare people in the same way. Like, do they have that player who could take over a game? Yeah, I mean, Chris Paul has traditionally not been able to do that in the playoffs, right? Like, he's not been quite good enough to do it. Maybe Shea Gil- Gilgis-Alexander takes a jump, like, right in front of our eyes. But I think, like, this is a very solid team. They they have some really, really good defenders. I tend to agree with you. They're probably not good enough on offense, right? Like, that's yeah. probably their biggest undoing. I, I, yeah, they're, they're one of the least like threatening teams to me. I, I think you're right. They'll play well. It's just like, is there well like a six and a half out of 10? Um, I don't know. But like I said, if you get Utah, like just to drag Utah right. into this again, like Utah's a team that I was super high on, right? In the regular season. Like I thought the way they remade their roster was really interesting. They got Mike Conley. He was God awful for the start of the year. I mean, he was just like so bad. And now they have to me been probably the most disappointing team in the Western conference. I think I don't, well, I don't, they're, they're kind of getting it together. I mean, like you said, like people are like, Oh, who cares? Bogdanovich is hurt. Shot 40% from three. He was awesome for them this yeah. year. And, and he was like a risky signing too. And, and he's worked out and he gave them the, the three points. They're number one in three point shooting percentage overall. Yeah. Um, he's been really key. So where is it? Where do you make up for that? And I think, you're very low on Utah, it sounds, right now. Can I give you a devil's advocate argument? Hit me. 
a little Ewing theory, <laughs> very minor Ewing theory, considering it's just Bojan Bogdanovic. I don't know. Maybe I'm just relying too much on college. Gorgie Nyang, I think it was good at college. I mean, he's like a Doug McDermott type of like doughy shooter. First of all, you're talking about the wrong guy. You're talking about Georges Niang from Iowa State. Gorgie Jang played for Louisville. Oh, well, that's what I meant. I meant, well, how do you yeah, say yeah, Niang, Niang. Niang, whatever. Gorgie Dang. I'm not Dang. I'm saying Niang. Yeah. George, is it George Niang? Yeah, George Niang. Oh, because there's an S at the end. I don't know how to say his name. French. I know how to watch it's him. French. Great nickname, by the way, the minivan. I'm telling you, this guy was money in the bank at Iowa State. I bet on them to win the title. It did not happen. Um, and he's, look, he's been a 39% shooter from three in the NBA in limited minutes. Like, what if he's just really good? Not really good, but, you know, Bogdanovich level good. I mean... They could win the title if that's the case. Uh, obviously, Jordan, what if, what Jordan if Clarkson's George been Yang very good. Like wins the finals MVP, and you there's just egg all over your face. I mean, that could happen. I think the problem I have with this team is like Joe Ingles can't play enough minutes. Right, Niang is good, but like you're going to go from a guy playing what? I mean, I think he's playing like 15 minutes a game. Yeah. Like Moutier had been a, a solid player for them. Like Jordan Clarkson had been actually quite good since they traded for him. But their wing depth is so bad. Like, do you wow. really want – like, okay, let's say you beat Oklahoma City. Let's say the seeds last exactly like they do right now, and they beat Oklahoma City in the first round because one place that they have some depth is guard. So, like, they have guys that can guard Oklahoma City players. Well, then you play the Lakers in the next round, and, like, Gobert is not going to guard Anthony Davis away from the hoop. That's not the way they play. But then who guards LeBron? Like, Royce O'Neal can do it, and then – after that, you have nobody else to do it. Like, it's going to be George Niang. No, <laughs> I agree with you. Um, I just thought if, this team would be much tougher, man. I really did. Like, I knew. Like, even in my, like, hypothetical where Niang is as good as Bogdanovich, which he probably is not. Like, that's still a mid-level team in the West because yeah. they, were, they were a fourth seed. I, I, The only reason I kind of like them, I would say, is because I think everyone's going to be writing them off because of Bogdanovich and there's just bad vibes, obviously with the coronavirus. So I think maybe you can get a good price on a series, but I wouldn't pick them outright. Yeah, you definitely could. And like I said, I, I would assume Donovan Mitchell would play, but you're exactly right. Like we don't know what the deal is with like Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Like we don't know who's shown up for them. And I think that Quinn Snyder is a good coach, but this team has basically been like a, They've been like the 10th or 9th best team in the league. And I, I thought they had a chance, a sneaky chance to win the West. Mitchell hasn't really taken a huge jump. Like he's, he's still kind of about the, been about the same guy. You know, Gobert, for all the great things I said about him in the past, being an MVP candidate, like he's not the type of guy that can carry a series defensively. Like this isn't prime Tim Duncan I'm talking about. Right. So, well, and what about this theory? Utah, if they were going to do well, you know, they stifle you defensively. Is this format and the idea that everyone's probably going to be a little sluggish anyway, like take away that edge? Because I don't know if anyone's going to be like operating on all cylinders offensively. Yeah, it's possible for sure. It's definitely, it's definitely. Like, are they going to win games like 80 to 70? I mean, no, definitely be- not. Definitely not that because teams will play faster than that. But like, are they likely to play a game where it's like 98 to 96? Yeah, that, that's true. And it might be better for them to play that way. Right, because is is that a coronavirus risk? The the space and pace era. Should know, the NBA what? limit your possessions? Let me ask you a question: For a team like Utah, 
I, again, I think Bogdanovich is way too important for them to lose. Like this is a, like he was like arguably their third best player, maybe their second best player, honestly, depending on what you thought of Donovan Mitchell. But what if Mike Conley in the last three months gets like a new lease on the season and he's like, you know what, forget it. I'm I'm Mike Conley from a year and a half ago. Like, what if we have MVP candidate Mike Conley back? When was that? I missed that timeline where he was. <laughs> what are you talking about? Like twenty the year the year that he got his face bashed in Memphis. He, he was, was amazing. Good. I, has, he still never made an All Star team. Tyler. Okay, that, that doesn't happened. because voters are stupid. Doesn't mean all right. So 2016, 2017 in Memphis, he was really really good. Did he did he get an All Did he get an MVP vote in the MVP candidate season? I don't know. Let me see. Let's uh, take a look. But I'm just, my my point is like like he could be really good. I get that. Yeah, the now, voters not voting Mike Conley for an all-star team. He means, did get one vote. Uh, he finished 17th one year. One time. Go. He had one he also was on quite. He also was quite good last year, just for the record. Like, he was good before. Yeah, Who's the voter? Year. I mean, I like Mike Conley, too. That year that he got one MVP ballot vote, probably third place, I guess, or whatever the last place is, he averaged 17 and 6. Solid. Right, but he averaged 17 and 6. He shot 41% from three, didn't turn the ball over. I mean, that's your value in Mike Conley is that he's just a very yeah, good but like, guard. Is he on your MVP ballot? I just don't understand. No, not this vote. year. I'm just saying, like, Mike Conley is a really good player. And, like, no, if agree. you have that guy, because he's not, we've talked about this before when, when I was really high on them to start the season. Like, he's supposed to be their, like, third or fourth best player. Now he's supposed to be a point guard who can make a jump shot. And instead, this year in 40 games, turned in a, shooting percentage <laughs> under 41%. So, and that was yeah. with him coming on like late after he got back, he started to play a little bit better, but like all the stuff that made Mike Conley very good, like, you know, limiting turnovers, making open threes, making twos at a decently high rate. Like that just didn't exist. Yeah, well, certainly like if it's a matchup against Chris Paul, it's like, he's not that much worse than Chris Paul. And, and Chris Paul's probably had like what a hundred times more attention in his career. Right. He, I mean, I guess two years ago, three years ago, he wasn't that much worse than Chris Paul. This year, he, he certainly is substantially worse than Chris right. Paul. And so, like, my point is with, with Utah, if you're going to get mediocre Mike, and then you're not getting Bogdanovich, and then you're getting volume Donovan Mitchell, like, this team is just not that good. And I think I you gave me credit for other teams. Like, I think on this team, like, I just missed it, man. Like, I just think they're not super tough. Like, I expected Donovan Mitchell to take a jump. He just didn't. I thought Mike Conley would be good. He just hasn't been. And so, like, so, for me... Without yeah, they're their... not threatening. What about um can I give you do give you a rock, paper, scissor? Because the yeah. four, five, six are probably the most malleable. So let's say it's it sounds like you like Houston the best of this three of those three. So say it's Houston versus Utah. What would you predict? Houston versus Utah. Houston wins in six, probably. They they just Utah has the most trouble with Houston because Gobert just gets played off the floor. What about Houston, Oklahoma City? Yeah, I think that's a good one. I would really like to see that series. <laughs> I think that'd be very, very fun. I think it'd be very interesting to see what happens with Steven Adams because he's been successful. I would say I think Houston wins in six, but it, but you, Oklahoma City, right? Like they play their three guards. They can play Terrence Ferguson. Right. Like they could throw so, out a very, yeah. they could throw out a super fun lineup, right? Like, could you see a, a situation in that series where it's like, let's say it's like Chris Paul Schroeder. Shea Gilgis Alexander, Lugans Dort, and then like Terrence Ferguson versus like Covington, PJ Tucker. Well, see, like that's why I like I, I think that's a scarier matchup for Houston because it's like they probably won't play Steven Adams too much, but if they did, 
Stephen Adams could get 20 rebounds a game. He definitely could, but he also would have to guard Robert Covington. And we know PJ Tucker is successful against bigs like that. Um, so, but I said the Houston first, cause I thought you would pick them both times. So then Utah, Oklahoma city, if that's the four or five, as it is right now, what would be your pick be? I, I think knowing what we know, I, I think I would pick Oklahoma city in that. I, I think it'd be a tough series. I think it'd be like OKC in seven or six. Like I, I think it would go the distance, but I, I think like Oklahoma city to me, just a little bit more of an identity definitely will want to be there. Not, not going to struggle with kind of like the locker room issues and then ultimately aren't missing one of their best players. Right. Like if, like if Gallinari went down, I think that'd be very akin to what's going on in Utah right now. Cause Bogdanovich plays a lot of minutes for that man. Like he's a very specific role that now you have to replace with, they don't really have the depth to do that. Like even like what you're saying about Niang is like, all right, that's great. In 13 minutes, he shoots 39% from three. But like, what about when you now like Bogdanovich is like in pick and roll for them sometimes. It's just George Niang. He's good. He's, He's very good. I mean, everybody in the NBA is good. Don't get me wrong. Everybody. Um, and then, you know, cause it, it clear based on those, like, right. It wasn't even a rock, paper, scissor. It was like, you just think Houston's the best that group than Oklahoma city, than Utah, Dallas. I didn't mention cause they're kind of locked in at the seven. I guess it doesn't matter cause they're not going to match up, but would you pick Dallas to beat Utah and Oklahoma city? And I want to, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I really want, I like want to put my flag in the ground and say that like Dallas is going to be the big surprise of, of Orlando. If that makes like, I just, for some reason, like I really like this team. I think they're young. I think the Jalen Brunson thing is a big deal too, but they do have other depth at point guard. Like Delone Wright is going to play point guard. Seth Curry can play point guard and Luca's going to have the ball the most anyway. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to say like, I like Dallas better than those two teams right now. I don't know what they would win in a series, but I would, I would pick Dallas over both of those teams in a series, I believe. Yeah. And they're probably not going to match up, but let's see if Vegas agrees with you. Cause of the teams we've talked about today, I think Oklahoma Rock- city was like a hundred to one. I think they have the worst <laughs> odds of the top seven. The Rockets are 15 to one. Sounds yeah, about right. Value. You like that? I think they should. I was hoping they'd be less than that. Team. Yeah, that's I was hoping they were going to be. I was hoping they were going to be like twenty-five to one. I would that's that. that's like you know whatever you want to say. Like they're more of a chance than like Toronto. Let's say who's the two seed. So a lot of respect for Houston. Um, Denver twenty-two to one sounds about fair. Dallas is next thirty-three. Utah's all the way down. Like I was saying before, I think people are just writing them off fifty to one. They just. I mean, even if they were at full strength, they just haven't been that good. And then Oklahoma City eighty to one on Bovada. So Dallas was 33 to one. So people like Dallas better than, I mean, Dallas has been legitimately good this year, Zan. Yeah. They're, they're ranked higher than Miami. Let's for, for a point of comparison. Um, yeah. But as you said, of all the teams that are locked in Oklahoma city has the lowest odds, even lower than Portland. Who's not even locked in. Oklahoma city has lower odds to win the title than Portland. (laughs) Yeah. On Bovada, they're 80 to one Portland, 75 to one. That seems odd. When were those odds updated? I'm guessing now it says, uh, maybe, maybe a few weeks ago. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's, that's very weird. Like I said, Dal- I mean, Dallas has been, I think both of Dallas and Houston have claimed to like being the third best team in the West. I, I would take Houston. Just so would in- you say, cause you love Houston 15 to one too too rich for your blood. I might throw a couple shackles on that when, when I know that we're going to play officially, like I might be interested in that for sure. I, I here's my apologize for your anti-Semitic comments. Today. I would say, 
Whew. I would say that knowing what I know about the Clippers, right? Like what, and we'll talk about this in two weeks, but I would say that outside of the Lakers and the Bucks, like I would most want to bet money on Houston, just because I think they're the most likely team to just kind of like throw a wrench into things because they're hard to prepare for. They get rest, which they didn't, they haven't gotten the last couple of years. You know, they're going to play the right way, right? Like they're not going to change their style for anything. They're going to play the way that they play. So to me, I think they're probably the most dangerous outside of like your one seeds. And you can get some sweet, if you want to bet some of your shekels, your beloved Washington Wizards, only a thousand to one. I mean, I think what's going to be interesting, who's going to be the one player that like is really surprising when they decide they don't want to play? Because there are going to be some guys that are like, Lou Williams would have been really surprising to me because he's a veteran. He has a very good chance to win the title and he's a key part of the team. So like if he, I think if I was on the Clippers, I would be pretty bummed out about him skipping out. Yeah. I wonder if we're going to get a coach speaking at, you know, Matt Barnes made some interesting points about how like going against the players union, if you're Kyrie Irving and not having like a direction is very dangerous. And I think a lot of Kyrie's viewpoints are like, I think you have to like kind of, put yourself in his shoes to like understand what he's saying sometimes. And sometimes it's harder to understand it, but like, obviously, you know, they don't have the players union support on this because Chris Paul is president of the players union and he is not supporting this. So I think so. The perfect storm would have been, I would have said like somebody like Kawhi last mm. year prior to his free agency. And he clearly is a guy who like doesn't care about like perception because he sat in right. San Antonio. So like, is somebody like that, like capable of taking the PR hit, to protect well, what, their free agency. I don't think there's any huge. What if like Doc, what if like Doc Rivers decides that he doesn't want to play? Like what if Doc Rivers is like, you know what? I talked to a lot of guys and like, I don't think I'm going to coach. Like what's, what are they going to do? Just have Sam Cassell coach the Clippers. I think they'll be okay. I, I think. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm just putting, I'm just yeah, throwing it out there. Right. Right. Like, I don't think if I'm the Clippers, I'd rather have Lou Williams than Doc Rivers. And I don't even I, like Lou Williams. I kind of, I, I agree with that too. I'm, you know me, I'm usually a support the coach guy, but <laughs> Lou Williams is very important to what they do. So and I think more stuff's gonna come out. Obviously, it's been a it's been kind of a quiet. I, yeah, and news I, cycle. I think if Doc Rivers doesn't do it, somebody like that, I think it would be a political thing. I don't think it would be a health concern. Well, I don't know, because that's the other thing now is like what if they why don't they just go I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't wanna I don't wanna keep talking about this every single week when we have no new information. Well, but. and this yeah, and this is kind of a dark way to think about it, but if you know, remember Ernie Johnson didn't do the golf tournament because he has like a sick kid and he's had cancer in the past. Yeah. If one of these coaches' wives has an illness that we don't know about, it's not in the news or something like that, then they could bow out with, with I think, good reason. And they should. I mean, at that point, because like what we know about coronavirus is, you know, that if you're immunosuppressed, it hits you harder. Like if you're Donovan Mitchell, you're probably going to be asymptomatic. And it's funny, like as we're seeing all these colleges go back you know, LSU's quarantining guys, you know, 28 or 23 people in the Clemson program tested positive. Kansas State shut down their prizes for a little while. And I think understanding how to manage it as we get closer to this is, you know, we're not quite a month away from it yet. But I think that's what's important and using the, the information at your fingers and deciding like, OK, is this right or wrong? So like if I'm Lou Williams, like like you said, it's a political thing, not a health thing. But if somebody does say like, Hey, you know, my daughter has a condition or my son has a condition or my wife has a condition. And they say like, we're not going to go. That's where I think like the NBA has got to be flexible. Cause I think they got to be like, well, it's not fair for us to dock these dudes salaries for not playing when like, this is a legitimate health risk. And now we're pulling them away from their families to have 
you know, this bubble tournament. It could be a slippery slope too. Like it is. What's an excused absence or not? Yeah, excused absence. All right. So next week, three, two, one in the East, right? And the heavy is, hitters in the East, and then we'll save the LA teams in Denver for two weeks. Denver just sneaks in as a heavy hitter. I know they slipped in into our top tier somehow. Even though I do think it's been, I think. Houston, Dallas, and even I think Houston and Dallas have been better than Denver this year, but we'll get to that. Uh, I hope you enjoyed Father's Day on Sunday. It's your second one. I kind of heard that after your first Father's Day, nobody makes a big deal about it anymore. Is that oh, true? Oh, I forgot. Yeah, I should have made a bigger deal for you. Congratulations. Yeah, I got it. I got a couple gifts. Uh, we didn't do much. You can't really do anything. So not not in PA. Did it, but, did it hit you at all? Like like honestly, did it sink in? What is? I don't know. Like it wasn't. It, it felt like did another. You feel day. emotional at all? No, I, not, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that like I felt any less emotional than I feel on like a normal day when you look at your child and you're like, oh man, that's. So you're just not bonded with this kid, you're saying? Yeah, not yet. We got we to gotta, we gotta work on it. More skin to skin while we watch trash TV. So that's that's how we that's how we make it happen. And then at what age group do I have to stop watching trash TV around them? Like when when is it not okay for me to watch? <laughs> My wife, very early on around your baby's age, my wife was like very vigilant. She's like, don't listen to that. Like, howard stern podcast like it's bad for the baby i'm like the baby doesn't know anything come on not yet certainly certainly not yet but so, she does swear like a sailor now oddly enough well that it's good good on howard stern and now joe rogan's getting canceled so you don't have to worry about him either like it's great you know pretty soon the entire world's going to be smooth sailing for every single person because we're going to solve all the problems but i'm not getting into it we will be back next week with three two one in the east uh mtv challenge accepted Thursdays or Fridays. Still going strong. Yeah, new episode coming out soon. How many only people few are left? More. It's a good amount. I would guess there's about four episodes left in this season. I would catch up. It hasn't been a great season. There's been some political issues. <laughs> it hasn't been a good season. No, why? Oh, they, they had some bad tweets, some editing issues. and Oh, yeah, that girl got fired, right? Yeah, you still have Johnny. You still have Wes. You still had CT in this season, had made an appearance. So I would always recommend the show. It has not been the best, finest hour. But. That's tough. Uh, other than that, Xanderkellison at gmail.com. Shoot us an email. He's Xander Kellison on Reddit. Uh, and Zan, as always, it's a pleasure. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Xander Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news. 